Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Finding Your Fabulous. Today's guest is Nikita Walia. Based in New York, Nikita is a cultural and creative strategist and the founder of Blank, a strategy consultancy business. Here, we talk ways to get out of your own head, the importance of rooting everything you do with empathy and intent, and also why we need to pay more attention to data privacy. Enjoy the episode! You're listening to Finding Your Fabulous, a podcast about finding the fabulous in the everyday. Hi, Nikita. Thanks for coming to the podcast and welcome to Finding Your Fabulous. Hi. So what really comes across um, about you for me, Nikita, and what I really admire about you is that whilst you're running your own business, you really manage to balance that with self-care. And it seems to me that you really prioritize carving out time for that. And I really, really think that's a really admirable thing to do. Um, Well, first of all, thank you for like the very flattering introduction. I always feel like I need to hire people as like my personal hype man (laughs) (laughs) well if you're ever in the UK yep you know I can be your UK publicist hype woman I love that but I think like over the years kind of what I've discovered in running myself ragged many many times Mm -hmm. and realizing that like that's just no way to live um I've just kind of realized that I function my best when I, you know, take out time for myself and it helps me, you know, be a better person in all my Mm -hmm. relationships. It helps me be a better boss. It helps me, you know, do more interesting creative work. So Mm -hmm. I guess in some ways it is a little selfish Mm -hmm. in (laughs) taking that time out, but I literally have to schedule it in or it's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's just so easy to set up your to-do list for the day and let like little things for yourself fall off. So Mm. um, over like the last few years, especially like in the last year and a half that I've been running my own business, I've kind of found that it's like so, so important to make sure you're making that time for yourself, especially when you're like an independent consultant and you spend Mm -hmm. so much time in your own head. And I'm somebody that already Mm -hmm. spends so much time in their own head. Mm -hmm. You have to make time to get out of it, whether it's, you know, like going to therapy or, you know, just doing something to use your brain in a different way. Like I started painting a couple of months ago because I was like, I need to do something that I feel Mm. that I'm not inherently good at and something that's like very much using my hands because that's not something I do with somebody that works primarily in digital. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a matter of like scheduling it in like you schedule a meeting. So that's how I kind of like Mm -hmm. treat my workouts. It's how I treat like meditating. Like I do a meditation every night before I go to sleep. Um, Just little things like that. I schedule in like acupuncture when I need it. Like I just treat it like a meeting that I have to show up for. And that's the strategy that has been most successful for me. I love that. And, and I, I, I do, I did see your paintings. They are absolutely so beautiful. So for you to say like, I'm doing something I'm not inherently good at, it just goes to show like, it's so important to try things because you actually never know, like you might actually be good at it. And you're right. It's about putting your brain to do something a bit different and seeing what happens. And you've, you've got some beautiful paintings to show for it. Thank you. And I think too like right now and sort of this like side hustle culture that we live oh, in yeah. it's like everything that you're doing for yourself outside of your work I feel like there's such a pressure to monetize it mm-hmm. 
And, you know, that's kind of why, you know, at first when I was really into fashion growing up, I really didn't want to make it my career in any way. And I feel Mm -hmm. like I found a happy medium where, you know, I consult on fashion clients and I do creative things and I am actually working on a clothing line. I I think you answered my survey for that. Yes, Um, I did. Yeah. So, you know, like I was so scared to make it my any element of my career because it was something that I found so much like enjoyment and freedom mm, yes. and like inspiration from. But, you know, like sort of to circle back on my point, it's really just important to one, like I think infuse some of those things that you're interested in into mm-hmm. what you do day to day like your career doesn't have to be your passion necessarily like it's totally okay if it pays the bills yes oh but my you god have to find like those, you have to find those little like pockets of enjoyment in it for yourself whether it's like adding I don't know like implementing like something from a different industry into mm. like an industry that's a little bit more like cut and dry yeah and you know when you are like taking on some side creative project to not like feel constant pressure to monetize it like allow yourself to fail Mm -hmm. (laughs) once in a while I think for someone that's like so focused on being high achieving that's been something that's really been good to learn Mm -hmm. that it like it's okay to like make mistakes and fail a little bit and like Mm -hmm. set up like low stakes things that you can fail in just so you can sort of learn from them and evolve because you can't just be successful 1000% of the time that's just not how life works and you kind of learn the most from the times that you've messed up (laughs) oh definitely and I wanted to get into what you said about fashion so like I can totally totally relate to what you're saying like I started out like hell-bent on working in fashion and wanting to work in fashion I was studying marketing and like I think of myself as a really creative person and I did these like internships and I was like fashion is for me like I love getting dressed and I did these internships that were like unpaid like literal devil as Prada like hard work like two at the same time like I was like oh when I graduate I'll be able to get a paid job and then I couldn't find paid work in fashion after I had my degree so I was like okay you know what I'm gonna try aerospace and I ended up like now I work in airline marketing and I actually love because like just because I work for in a, a like a quite a corporate job doesn't mean like I still get to enjoy fashion by like having a sick sense of personal style even if I say so myself like just getting to <laughs> enjoy it in that way like yeah and there was something that you posted I remember I think you'd started a mailing list or something and this really echoed in my mind but you said like oh um I'm not like I'm not going to put pressure on myself to grow numbers on this and I was like wow like that's that's so true because every other element of my like day job and every other element of life it's like grow your bank account grow more money and actually like especially like in the last few years with my blog and even this podcast the approach I've taken is just doing it for the sake of it like focusing on making connections like being able to have this discussion with you and just like putting it out there for the sake of it but not going to look at the numbers because that can like that really really takes its toll on you seeing like the numbers either stagnating or just like not growing like it can really kind of like affect you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this like pressure now to like be this quantified self, like whether it's through like your Instagram likes or Mm. like your follower count or like hitting your like steps goal on your Fitbit or whatever it is, I feel like sort of that pressure to monetize and then this like pressure to optimize go like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, to some extent, like, yeah, having my Apple Watch is productive. It, like, makes me get up and, like, get off my desk and, like, walk around. But I think, like, people really need to ask themselves, like, when being so numbers focused is really detrimental to them. Mm. And, you know, I think also having, you know, like, working in marketing, working in social, working in digital, and having done sort of, like, a lot of work with, like, with influencers um it's been like it's been something that's like really tough where you know I find that the things that are most authentic and the things that you know I'm really drawn to and I think like people really connect with are like you know you starting this podcast from like a place of need in your own life so it's like okay maybe I want to hear from like these kinds of people and Mm -hmm. share that information it's like when you start from like an authentic place of like need or creating something that you would want in your own life that's so much more authentic than like starting with the goal of like I want to be the next like top subscribe podcast or like the next blonde salad you Mm -hmm. know and I wish that more people were doing things for the right reasons and I understand why our society has set people up to do Mm -hmm. things for the wrong reasons but I think really taking time out and like questioning your intent for doing everything just you know start with why be more intentional and really think through like how is this thing going to live in the world what is it going to add to the world is it something that I would want in my life and then create from there and you'll end up with something I think that you're much happier with than Mm -hmm. starting with like a marketing objective or such a surface level goal yes I I'm if you don't mind sharing, would you mind sharing what was kind of the intent behind you setting up your own business or if you set any kind of intentions for blank? Yeah, so I left my last agency job about a year and a half ago and I think, you know, it was sort of a combination of factors. I think I'd worked in agency. I did something like four agencies in five years, which is like an easy (laughs) race to the bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that was one of it. And I think I always felt a little bit like I wasn't quite fitting in in the way that I approached things. Um, you know, with a lot of agencies, they have like a very set model on how they approach strategy and strategic thinking. And, you know, because that is their product, they want to, you know, have everyone sort of like work into that and work into that product and sell it. And, you know, that's not to detract from, like, these agencies doing good work or, like, that what I learned there wasn't valuable in different ways. Mm -hmm. I just felt like what I was doing was slightly different in that, you know, my thing, I have a degree basically in critical media studies. So I was, and I always really start, like I said, like, from this place of, like, asking why, like, really, of, like, being empathetic for the person that's going to, like, receive this like ad or this piece of information or just you know I think so many marketing missteps happen when people just are like okay like we hit the brand objective we hit the hashtag we hit the Mm -hmm. CTA we have the media ready to go um and so I just felt like I wasn't quite fitting in and I just got to a place where I was like you know what like I and this is kind of like how I approach like a lot of my relationships, workplaces, clients, where I'm just like, okay, if this just isn't, like, I can't change this. Like, these people are going to be who they are. This business is going to be who they are. What I can change is either, like, my expectations of it or my reaction to it. 
And, you know, my reaction at that point was like, okay, I think I need to just take a, like a, take a step back, figure out what it is that I'm doing. Like, what is the value that I'm creating? Like, you know, every third person in New York is a freelancer. So I was kind of like, okay, like I can probably hack this out for a couple of months and worst case scenario, I'll go back to another ad job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then in like a few months of doing that, I was like, okay, maybe I'm really onto something here. And that's kind of why I eventually started my business. Um, I was having a converse- conversation about like this intention to like start this business with a good friend of mine. And he you know, I was just like, I know I'm doing something here, but I don't know what exactly it is, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I feel like what you really do for people is like, you're filling in a blank. Oh. Um, and I was like, huh, hmm. blank, smart. Like, yeah, feels like chic, very fashion. Yes. Like, I'm going to run with that. Thank you. <laughs> a star um, is born. So that, that, yeah, that's literally how the name came about. But really, like, my intention for the business is just to be able to you know, approach these, you know, problems that I'm given by clients in a different way. Like I recently worked on like an encrypted messenger app and myself and my team like delivered like 90 pages of research on like the history of privacy from like essentially ancient Greeks to now and like surveillance theory and I don't think that that's a way that we would have approached that research in like a traditional agency. And it was really nice to sort of come at the problem from a different angle. And I just like doing more of that. And, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be in advertising for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. But for now, I just want to create, you know, strategies and products and stuff that really have a sense of like empathy for the person that's going to be, you know, consuming them, mm. using them, et cetera, et cetera. And I know that was a roundabout answer. But... No, it was a great answer. And I think two, <laughs> two of the things you've mentioned that really jump out to me is intent and empathy. And I find it really interesting how um, I think those are quite kind of words that are tied to spirituality. And I feel like there's more of a shift for business to kind of, there's, there's a real, there's a real kind of shift in, you can in, 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 integrate spirituality into the workplace and it's not kind of like yeah. a woo-woo thing and like I know you mentioned like therapy and you were saying you approach all your relationships in the same way and I think that's a really kind of nice rounded approach and like have you noticed is was that kind of that kind of approach prevalent in agency or is it something you've really kind of had to carve out and you've you've been intentional I guess about pushing for um I think it really depends on like the workplace at hand. I think like, like I said, like a lot of agencies like have a model and they kind of like stick to it. Like it's their proprietary process. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's what big clients come to them for. Like if you know, you're J Walter Thompson, which like RIP, they mm-hmm. merge with Wonderman, like, and you invented planning, people are going to come to you expecting that methodology, not necessarily, you know, because it's been proven to work millions of times. So it's also, I think, a little riskier to sort of work from like, you know, that sort of, I hate to say like a little bit more like amorphous or ambiguous place of intent, Mm -hmm. especially when every day it feels like we're producing more and more data and, 
I don't think we're pausing to think critically about what it's doing. No, and um, I love your thoughts on this. So go on, go on and talk talk to us about social media and the data that we're <laughs> producing because I love your takes on this. Yeah, I mean, as I said, like I have a critical media studies sort of like studies and like theory sort of background um, and it's something that I bring to a lot of my work and I did, as I said, like a project for Signal the encrypted messenger in conjunction with another agency this summer Mm -hmm. and it really like had me you know like sit down and think very critically about data and convenience and just like where like the inflection point that we're at as a society with privacy Mm -hmm. um and this was kind of around I think like that great hack documentary came out around then all the stuff about face app was happening then. And, you know, it's really hard to get people to sort of care about the fact that like, you know, their privacy is being impacted and they should worry a little bit. Like it's a collective responsibility Mm -hmm. to, you know, change the status quo. Like, you know, ultimately, like having interviewed consumers, done a lot of research on this, people are kind of at a point where they're, you know, like one, they're kind of apathetic, where they're like, okay, like this is just the status quo of where we're at as a society. Or they're like, well, like I get, you know, entertainment and enjoyment and blah, 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 from this, I'm willing to give up my data, like this value exchange for that. Or the third is like, I don't have anything to hide, so why should I care? And, you know, on some some level, I agree with all of them. Like, I have a public Instagram account. I, like, definitely give up my email to get discounts, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we all do it. Yeah. But, and it does take like a while to you know like have like separate passwords and you know take all these extra steps but I think like collectively we all need to stop and just like have a moment where we're like okay like is it like where is this data going Mm -hmm. um what are people doing with it um is that a positive or a negative or a neutral thing like I think we just need to sit with ourselves a little bit more when it comes to just data and privacy and you know something I heard a lot you know I heard a lot is like well like you know at least like our data isn't held by like the government in China and I like spoke to a strategist who like did you know, some time out there, and she was just like, well, like, wouldn't you rather your data is held by, like, one separate, like, one centralized entity rather than, like, Mm -hmm. five big corporations Mm -hmm. and each acting in their own interests? Mm -hmm. Um, There's no real, I don't know, I just feel like there's no real solution right now to it, but I do think, like, collectively, we all kind of need to be like, hey, like, maybe you shouldn't be selling my data in this Mm -hmm. way. Um, and, and I think everyone has different levels of comfort. Oh, totally. And I, I wanted to ask, is there a way that we as a collective, like you say, can change the narrative, if anything? Because I know, like, is it is it really about, I mean, this is turned into a cybersecurity podcast now, but like, is it about, <laughs> like, changing your passwords? Or is it better, should we be challenging, like, 
corporation should we be actively protesting? I mean, I think it's a mix of things. I think there is things like holding like Facebook and these big tech monopolies accountable. Like it is a little, you know, scary to me that Facebook basically controls what like three or four of the most like trafficked websites Mm -hmm. like don't, I would have to go look up the statistic. It used to be top of mind, like in the world and they're holding onto that data. Like that is a mass amount of power. Yeah. And they're constantly, like, outmaneuvering and monopolizing their competitors. Like, I, you know, I hate to be, like, the breakup Facebook guy, but, like, we need sort of competition in the marketplace so Mm -hmm. that, like, people can come in and actually either, one, force Facebook to change or, two, like, present a better option. Like, Mm -hmm. my face died because Facebook presented a better option. Mm -hmm. Like, that isn't you know like that's not going to happen unless you create room in the marketplace so that's one thing just you know just increasing pressure on you know these big corporations to do better by consumers and I think the second thing is just being diligent about you know like some where you're inputting you know your data like don't like downloading face app and like putting your face in there like it's like a five second thrill and then like you know like this information is stored somewhere or like just even just like making sure that if you have like messenger apps where you can turn on encryption like turning that on um and just being just like more aware of where things are going and how they might be used um something I've started looking at which is like nerdy and interesting to me is like ever since all the fallout in 2016 Facebook now if you like click like the three dots next to an ad you can see like why am I seeing this okay um and it's really interesting to just sort of like look at that and be like huh like what data is on me that would lead this ad to be served to me where it's like okay like Oh my God. So I have a funny story about that. I looked up, you can see on Instagram, like this long list of words that they use to yeah, tell you interest. Words, yeah. And I kid you not, every one of my crush's horoscopes, star signs were in there. I was literally, <clears throat> excuse me, I was literally dead. I was like, it was like Capricorn man. I was like, are you kidding me? Like how, That's how have they picked crazy. that up? That's so crazy. I mean, for me, my I looked up the Instagram keywords too, but I think my Instagram keywords are so out of out of whack because <laughs> I do so much I use that platform so much for like research okay. and like analysis blah 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 that I don't think Instagram has any idea who I am <laughs> they're like what but, is this you know, no consistency yeah plus my personal Facebook is tied to like my oldest sort of personal email account probably before I was like even halfway aware of any of these things around data and privacy so that has like the longest running hit like digital footprint for me and that's why I feel like the ads on there a little bit more you know like spot on because they're so tied to like email marketing newsletters from like every brand I've ever bought from (laughs) well it's so fun because some of the like screenshots you post of the Instagram targeted ads where you're like I want to scream into the abyss like it makes me laugh so much but some of them are like what like I would just love to know why that one, like, chicken, like, farming, I don't even know the word for it, like, cooperative in Brooklyn thinks that I'm the person that would do that. Like, I don't do anything 
Like, I'm not a huge, like, agriculture animal person in the farming sort of way. I don't really love the outdoors like that. And I also am very devoted to keeping my manicures in peace. I mean, their user profiling is way off that. (laughs) And I kept getting it, like, every day for a week. And then, like... Yeah, or even recently, like, I was getting ads to freeze my eggs, and then I started complaining about getting ads to freeze my eggs, and I started getting ads for sperm donors. Oh, I was like, like, just make it all stop. I don't want to talk about my reproductive system right now. Absolutely not. No, I think what you said, coming back to your earlier point about the marketplace, like, there's just, like, one major player, and the need for competition like you think of any other industry especially like media outlets like there's different newspapers with different points of views different news sites but social is such a like dominated by and as well like when you think about like it was started by someone who didn't really have the best like kind of social like um what's the word I'm looking for like um intuition like with dealing with people in real life you're like my god like how did we get here? And we all like kind of signed up to Facebook really innocently all those years ago. And like, we, we've not thought about it. Yeah. And you know, products are so much like very much like reflections of their makers. And that is something that is so like prevalent pretty much in every tech, like major website, every tech platform, every like quote unquote innovation, like, you know, products, people like to treat technology as this like happy, inherently neutral thing, like working for the good, like wouldn't life just be easier if we could automate this? And I'm like, okay, maybe it would be. But you know, if everybody that's creating this technology is like a white man between 26 to 35, Mm -hmm. It's not going to be something that, like, actually services all. And, you know, all the stuff that's coming out around, like, facial recognition and mm-hmm. AI, like, um, you know, if it's trained on the faces of white men, of course, it's going to criminalize the people of color, especially mm-hmm. black men, at, like, a greater rate. And, like, I wish that people would just stop, like, having this happy sunny view towards technology and realize that like you know even just like the blocking and safety functions on like many social media sites are set you know like are coded in by men and therefore Mm. like they haven't thought about like what a woman might face on the platform yes um like I don't know if you saw this week Instagram rolled out a restrict feature yes I did see that yeah oh it has been like so great because I'm Mm -hmm. like there are people that you know I don't necessarily want to block but I also don't want them contacting me at the frequency that they might be and you know it gives me anxiety that they've gotten a read receipt and I feel like I'm held to like responding to them and you know like I feel like someone would have probably a female developer might have thought through that um constraint first Mm -hmm. like I worked on an app recently where like the female client called out the company and was like hey maybe you should really have a blocking feature and this thing had been around for a few months (gasps) or sorry a few years and it took a woman to be like hey like this guy has been hitting me up on here have you thought about maybe like (laughs) 
implementing a block. This is why you need diversity in the in the in the boardroom and where these decisions are being made. Like, hello, like get a rounded point of view. Like, yeah, you need you need diversity, but you also need to like empower. You know, the diverse spaces you put in a room to actually like weigh in on yeah. decisions. It's not enough to like you know just have your three employees of color. <laughs> so true. So true. Just to tick the box. Yeah, I know. That's, well, so we've talked a lot. I know we've, we've kind of done a little bit of a, I wouldn't say deep dive, but we've gone mid-level on cybersecurity <laughs> and kind of the darker side of um, social media. But bring it back to you as, a, as someone in the creative industry, how do you think you can use it as a positive force um, to kind of um, nurture your own creativity, to like establish a community? Have you picked up anything? Is there anything you've noticed that helps you use it in a more positive way? Yeah, um, I mean, my personal Instagram following isn't all that high, um, but, you know, I've definitely, like, met a lot of, like, cool people through Instagram. I, you know, use it a lot for, like, visual research and, like, inspiration. Like, I have so many, like, intense collections on my (laughs) account of, like, vibes, like, funny animals, like, you know, like, mood boards specific to each project. Like, I think, like, it's such a cool tool for like visual discovery that's a little bit more accessible Mm -hmm. to the everyday person than like you know a lot of art directors are pulling swipe from like old magazines Mm -hmm. and like fancy like Toshin books and Mm -hmm. you and I might not like have access to that or even the level of knowledge that Mm -hmm. would require like oh I need to go look up like this one book of like um, Helmut Newton's photos from like this because that's the vibe yeah. I'm trying to establish like I think it's so like for better or for worse like lowers the barrier for like who can be creative yes um, because old magazines like Instagram is an archive is everything there there's current stuff and there is like old Helmut Newton Vogue shoots like you can find it all on Instagram it's in one place it really is and like I've learned so much about like new artists like artists that I wouldn't have like normally encountered or whatever through Instagram Mm -hmm. but you know um I do think you need to like cultivate like practices around it because something that I find especially working in the creative industry is there's so much pressure to because like your client like you know your competitor has like a visual strategy or a strategy that like is resonating and working for them to just like take that on because Mm -hmm. it's what's popular um and I think like a huge example of that is just like the 90s nostalgia stuff that's like Mm -hmm. every brand is doing yes um like at some point it's oversaturated and boring and it's so hard to get people to walk away from that because it's like seems like a surefire successful thing um but yeah I mean really just like being mindful of the amount of time you're spending on there like using block restrict whatever functions to like make sure that you're having a comfortable experience like knowing when to walk away if it's like getting too much or like overwhelming for you Mm -hmm. like definitely take a step back but I think there are like a lot of really great productive things that you can do with a lot of these platforms you just kind of have to figure out like Mm. what the application is to your life and that it's like doing more good than bad yes 
I think that's a, that's a great outlet to have. And just, just out of interest, because I know you're saying you use it to curate your visuals. Is there a reason why you go to Instagram rather than Pinterest? Because Pinterest is really picking up here in the UK. I don't know what it's, is it as popular in the States? Um, I think it is reasonably popular. I think that for me, I just never really like particularly enjoyed um, mm. Pinterest. Like I had it years ago and, I think this, and I could be wrong, like, I've used it recently to, like, pull pictures for certain projects. I just feel like the search, you get, like, a lot of, like, clutter, like, where you get, like, 30 ways to bake an avocado next to, like, a search for, like, green dress. (laughs) Yes. Yes, (laughs) Um, I find the same thing. I think, like, that's one thing, and then I think because, like, so much of, like, the time that I spend, like, away from my laptop I'm like on Instagram and like a lot of my idle scroll time is kind of like curating that stuff Mm -hmm. um like I find it's like a a way to relax for me in some ways um so I think that's why I really enjoy it but like you know ultimately I'm not an art director or like a designer so the pressure isn't that high on me Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my visual mood morning time (laughs) But that's good. Uh-huh. That's nice the way you yeah. use it. I think that sounds like it's a good balance of like inspiring you and like you say, relaxing. It's And it, it the mobile experience is quite nice to use and it's very easy to curate things on the go. And as you write, Pinterest can be a bit clunkier and yeah. cluttered. I mean, there's, there's a platform um, called, I believe they're called Arena. Their handle is like Arena. Um, that's mm-hmm. quite nice. It's like a Pinterest for creatives. And I oh. feel like even just because it's like a little bit offbeat because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of like creative directors and art directors on there and it's like really interesting like explorations on like intentionality and whatever sort of like interspersed with like visuals that you don't necessarily see everywhere else oh cool um, I'm gonna check them out like, what are they called again is it ar dot n arena how am I spelling a-r-e dot n-a uh, let me go look um, I do repost. Um, yeah, A-R-E dot N-A, like the word dot, not Oh, okay, I see. Okay, perfect. I'm going to go check them out. They sound great. Thanks for that recommendation. So um, I'm going to wrap this up in a minute, but um, I've got two more questions to ask you. The first one is, how do you see the future of the digital space in terms of social media? Do you have any predictions for how you think we'll use it, how um, the channels will evolve, anything like that? Um, I think something that I think about a lot is how everything has like a push-pull effect. Like at first everybody was like pushing to have this like beautifully curated lifestyle, get the most followers, whatever. And I feel like we're on the wave of like, turning against that Mm -hmm. um sort of in like all the chaos that's around us and all this like era of like fake news and like animations and you know just like facetune and everything I think something I see a lot with the younger generation is kind of like subverting that where it's either just like tuning out of being on Instagram or like a lot of kids now don't filter their pictures Mm -hmm. um as like a statement I've even seen like teenagers actually going out and buying film cameras and then posting on Instagram with film love that (laughs) it's really interesting that's crazy but 
I feel like people are starting to crave a smaller internet. Um, I think there's, like, a lot of nostalgia around, like, smaller communities, whether it was, like, what's it called, like, GeoCities, or, like, LiveJournal, or even just, like, a lot of writers I know now have, like, their own newsletters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, like, little things like that that feel like more, like, one-on-one interactions. Yeah, more intimate. Um, and yeah, and I think in general, sorry. In general, too, a lot of, like, interactions online have, like, shifted to what they call quote-unquote dark social, which is, like, DMs where you yes. can't really track the metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything from, like, a Google Hangouts chat to, you know, your Instagram DMs, like, things that I really can't track. I think people are really more about that, like, one-on-one sharing mm-hmm. in some ways and being less about broadcasting. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I see. But, again, I think it's a push-pull thing. So once that really like picks up and gets going I'm pretty sure we'll have like another wave of like artifacts yes that I'm interested to see how that goes because I I think what you're right about like smaller communities is definitely the way forward because I was reading something about how like in like if you take it back to times before the internet when everything was offline like it's not normal to have like a community of thousands of people like watching your every move like it's a lot more normal like you have like 50 people you know or you talk to on a regular basis so people who've like built like I've recently been deleting my Instagram followers for that very reason because I'm like this is weird that people have this access to my life when I have no like I don't know who they are they're just watching me like I think it's it's kind of really interesting that we're gonna I think it will be a lot healthier and a lot more we'll get a lot more out of social media if our communities are smaller and it comes back to that whole capitalist thing of like we've we've ridden the wave where it's been like polished flat lays and beautifully lit and edited fashion bloggers but now I think it's really interesting to see that kind of shift to more rugged like more candid make Instagram instant again (laughs) I know I like miss the days where people would post like a horrible photo with like an early bird filter and they were just like I'm eating this like cake in a mug yeah and it looks like trash but that's the truth it feels like 10 million <laughs> years ago but it wasn't that long ago I mean, it was like it was like almost 10 years ago that's so. crazy <laughs> r.i.p those days okay so the final question i want to ask you i ask all my guests this is how do you find the fabulous in the everyday and how would you like my listeners to find the fabulous in the everyday this week huh that is a tough one. I think, you know, for me, I feel the best when I'm taking care of myself. So I try every day to do something for at least 15 minutes. That's for me, whether that's, you know, journaling or doing a med- like a meditation on my phone or calling up a friend I haven't spoken to. So just, I think, take 15 minutes every single day for yourself yeah. would be my assignment. Okay. Uh, to everyone love that well go forth everyone and take 15 minutes to do something for yourself you never know you might be a great painter and thank you for being on the podcast Nikita of course I'm glad I could come on and have this conversation with you thanks for joining me for this episode of finding your fabulous for more you can find us on instagram at finding your fabulous see you next time